Hello and welcome to Builders Voices, the construction industry podcast brought to you in association with the Federation of Master Builders, where you hear from a range of voices across the sector. And today we're collating a lot of those voices thanks to the FMB. I'm James Parker, Managing Editor of House Builder and Developer Magazine, and I'm joined by Jeremy Gray, Head of Policy and Public Affairs at the FMB. It's the industry's largest trade association, representing the interests of over 7,000 medium, small and micro-sized building companies across the UK. For over a decade, the FMB has produced its annual House Builders Survey, which feeds back key issues from its readership, helping to provide a barometer of the challenges the industry is tackling and which of those challenges may be more or less acute than expected. Hi, Jeremy. Thanks for joining us again on Builders Voices. Hi, great to be back. 2023 was a difficult year, as many predicted, but were there any learnings from the survey we perhaps would have expected and wonder if there were any which were surprising? And that's, that's the general outlook. But first of all, can I ask, how do you compile the survey and how do you decide what questions to ask? So we, we, we send it out to our members that have, have sort of suggested an interest in house building. So we get a real mix. We get a sort of permanent house builders and we get those that are in the RMI sector that maybe come into the house building sector and do a couple of units a year or are sort of interested in becoming a house builder full time. So we get quite an interesting mix. We receive for this about 127 responses, which is a fair fair chunk of our membership in terms of house builders and generally uh, because of the sort of lack of SME house builders in the industry across the country, it's actually a fairly good mm. barometer of sort of what's going on in the sector. Yeah, it's relatively difficult to get people to um, reply in depth to such surveys and that, so that actually equates as a, a pretty decent result, doesn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and so we're talking mainly SMEs responding yeah, so we, we actually call them um, MSMEs in this because we actually have a lot of micros as well. So it's just to make sure that sort of that micro picture doesn't get forgotten in the in the overall picture, basically. Right, absolutely. And these are people perhaps building one house a year, that kind of thing, are they? Yeah, so so a, a big thing for us is actually to encourage people into the house building sector as well. We We often talk about the decline in SME house builders. So it's it's really important for us to encourage those that, might be just getting their foot in the door with one house a year about helping them um, you know, build their business, basically. So it's quite important for us. Part of your mission, really. Yeah. How do you decide what questions to ask? Are they built on previous years in a large extent? So some of them are, yes. Uh, a, a great deal are so we can track things throughout the throughout the years just to see whether things are getting better or worse. And then others we we tend to put in or take away depending on current circumstances, whether they'll be interesting. It's a very much a boots on the ground view of what's what's been going on in the industry. That's that's the uh, that's the idea behind it. And so it's a really important tool to to actually for us for us to be able to provide a voice to our members. In terms of the findings, I guess a lot of them might have reinforced what you were expecting, but the the planning system has obviously been cited as the main barrier to progress, and it was as such in terms of the, the findings from your 2023 uh, survey. Um, so presumably that wasn't unexpected, but as a main barrier, do you think that was uh, had some rivals that might, might have been up there? I, I think it normally sort of 
fights its way alongside things like available land um, and in, in the past financing to the company has is, is often been one as well. So it's, it's often sort of jostling for top spot. So it can be close. It can be it can be close. I, I think given conversations certainly over the last year or two I, I've had with our members, I'm, I'm not surprised it's up there. You know, the, the, the sort of roundtables we've had with government and meetings with ministers mm. is, is, is top. It's the perennial issue. It's a perennial um, whipping boy. It is. <laughs> We've been told about major planning reforms, and then and things emerge, and you and you wonder if that's what they were talking about. Uh, yeah. Which don't seem, tend to look like reform; look more like tweaking. Yes. Yeah, you <laughs> could say that about the current. Yeah, the MPPF, which came out just before Christmas. Well, yeah, that doesn't compel local authorities. And you, you've actually spoken about this, that, you know, that was expected to be more compulsion involved, but actually wasn't in the end. Yes. I, I know at national level, things like the the, the, the MPPF is seen as, as a sort of Bible of, of what should be done. But actually, you get into the local level, it's, it's, um, it's very different across local authorities and implementations. So it's a kind of starting point slash bit of guidance on the side. Yeah, I think, I think some take it as possibly too much as a guidance and right. not necessarily the, the what to follow. Um, it's it's actual what should be done, good good practice. Um, mm. And there is a bit too much difference uh, across local authority areas, which, you know, the, the wider point of that is SMEs ultimately tend to be uh, geographically locked, they're landlocked, they don't tend to move around local authority areas. So mm. if they're unfortunately they're stuck with a maybe bad practice or in a, a, a difficult authority, local authority area, Especially when things like emission zones start to appear and makes them even more uh, geographically restrained. Yes, I guess. Yeah. Did you get into detail on the reasons behind their views on the the planning being the main barrier for fifty five percent of the respondents? Yeah, um, yeah, and it, it, it's a sort of a similar similar story to previous years. It's it's really you know, the big thing: inadequate resourcing of the departments. Has that got worse or has that just stayed terrible? It was a lot worse. So we tracked it as being a lot worse last year, well, actually marginally worse last mm. year, but it's still pretty high. I mean, it's, it's some of the highest we've ever we've ever tracked it. Um, and it's unsurprising. I mean, you, you, you can see on the news more or less every day that the number of local authorities either having to go bankrupt or some sort of financial measure to keep them afloat. So mm. that's ultimately having an impact on planning teams. Mm. We know there are bigger issues with with employing people into planning teams and and getting people to train up in universities to become town planners and things. So weeks, if not months, of planning delays can be solved by maybe an hour hour face to face conversation with the planning officer. That's something we'd be very keen to see. You know, maybe a different attitude towards SMEs, if not somebody dedicated within a planning team to SMEs. Although 55% said it was their main barrier, 45 said they had a medium level of certainty in the, plan- the planning process, which is a bit lukewarm, but I, you know, that doesn't seem to be too negative. It's a mild improvement uh, on, on previous, it's using very yeah, it's all <laughs> language, isn't it? Medium and mild. Slightly less disappointing than yes. expected. <laughs> yeah, basically, I think that's a perfect summary. Um, but, you know, there's still... You know, quite you know, quite a low sort de- of quite a low degree of certainty, and that's still you know that quite low and very high makes up what nearly forty over forty percent. That's still quite a lot of people that have absolutely no faith in the planning system. The second barrier: restricted mortgages. 
It's an interesting one. Um, we it's never really been anywhere near the top of the list or even the the middle of the list. And actually, I think last year was a bit of a snapshot of a particular time. So, what what seemed to have happened? We we put this out just after the Liz Trust budget that changed a lot of things for a lot lot of people. And I think what we what we saw is a lot of um, a sort of snapshot of people going, this is going to become a real problem. And actually, the sort of tracker we have for a long term over three years sort of really was much higher than the problem as, as it was for restricted mortgage availability. The third barrier, again, not reassuringly, depressingly inevitable, lack of available land. And what are the key issues right now for you know for small builders, volume house builders, obviously taking big chunks of these sites? And any other issues that you can think of? It's an interesting one. So this used to be lumped in with we had lack of uh, available and viable land, um, and we actually split it out this year. So you, you see, viable lands actually dropped down. So that's quite an interesting snapshot that it's actually maybe not financial pressures of the land it's literally the literal availability where is it the space itself yeah yeah so that that's quite telling that it's a struggle to come across the right kind of sites and we've seen that our members tend to be reliant on windfall sites that's sites that just happen to turn up outside of local plans right i think the the, the typical example is a you know petrol station that shut down and maybe you could build three or four houses on it it's quite ad hoc and opportunistic in national planning policy is that these should be identified in local plans. We found that's not the case and it's normally large strategic sites and, and things like that. So our members tend to be quite literally knocking on doors, looking for land and going to estate agents locally and saying, got anything for sale. We've even had those knock on the doors of sort of local kind of landed gentry, go, you're thinking of selling off any of your acreage. Mm-hmm. So it's very literal ways of going about finding land for sale. Like hands-on, basically, yeah, and not looking at the local plan as the first step. And and that's somewhere where some of our members have actually are helping local councils actually identify it as part of the local plans because they go, look, I, I know where the small sites are. <laughs> I can help you on this map. You know, I've got my own map, yeah. lay the town map, and this this is a good site, this is a good site, you know, and circle those sites. So it's it's uh, it's been quite an issue. It's because of the particular type of sites. It's, you know, they're, they're smaller, less, maybe less appealing to local councils that have big delivery ambitions. And But if you add them all up, obviously it adds up to quite a lot of delivery and probably making the place slightly nicer because it's filling in bits of brownfield and infills and all that sort of stuff. Have you also canvassed people on how much they've gone into RMI in the last year? Yeah, uh, we ask whether it's their main main building type. So are you a house builder all the time? You know, have you been a house builder predominantly in the last 10 years, but it's actually shifted away from being a significant area? Or is house building just a part of, you know, the suite of services you offer? And th- that the majority actually fall under that category, which is interesting. And it it tends to be because they're or seems to be because they're they're working as contractors on behalf of other people. And so they have a bit they sort of have a range of business areas they can offer in construction. Which is an interesting one because you know it doesn't play into the well with we're seeing SME house builders come out of the market. Ninety four percent said building had got more expensive in in twenty twenty three, I think. But there's some good news that material costs was predicted to drop by half over the next three years. And what is that based on? Seems to be inflation. 
So we saw the sort of the COVID years, uh, well, where where thing where trade became very difficult. We've seen in our in our other surveys as well, the costs have just gone up, have continuously gone up, and they've been sort of yeah. Builders have got used to that happening. Financing, as you said earlier, is uh, traditionally up in the the top of the hit parade, but it was the fifth barrier. This is for the firms themselves, their own financing. Has that recently become a lot more acute as well? Yeah, we've we've seen this sort of ebb and flow as as various things have happened. So lack of finance for the company used to be a very high ranking issue. I think what we've actually seen is a galvanization of the private sector to create more products for members um, and and house builders generally to to finance projects and be much more understanding of an SME business model. That's refreshing. Plus, there's there's probably slightly outside of our membership, but there are products from Homes England as well. We actually find our members don't tend to take advantage of those so much, uh, a very small percentage. Really? It's going to be a really interesting year to see whether the market kind of recovers from from a level of, of stagnation that it saw last year, whether this is a year of growth, whether this is a year of recovery. You come into the year, it's going to be quite challenging. I think it's a challenging beginning to the year and we'll see how that sort of pans out. You know, obviously we've already seen, um, as you mentioned earlier, interest rates may not go the way people thought they would go as early as they thought they would go. So that could have an impact and push all all that recovery later into the year. I, I think that's sort of where we're we're sitting at the moment. It's a big question mark um, to, to how houses will now be built. It's a challenging environment to implement that at the moment, particularly for smaller house builders. It's about to probably hit hit the fan, isn't it? This year, maybe. It's it's all the, the aim is absolutely correct, but it's it's how it's implemented, how it's done, making sure all the you know everything's in place. Otherwise, it's going to become a difficult situation. We use this survey to sort of try and understand what members want. I mean, ultimately, we're there, particularly for house builders. They are much more at the whim of what happens um, at government level and what happens at local authorities and things like that. So they're very interested in making sure that that changes happen, that make sure their their company can you know thrive. This survey all helps us provide that voice to the house builders um, when we're going to to government, which we do on a pretty regular basis when we're in the housing department, and uh, we put all these ideas forward and hope for the right outcome. Really. And you're helping give them a clear picture. Yeah, I think this this and it also shows they're not alone. You know, they can look through this report and go, actually, everyone's having problems with BNG and nutrient neutrality. Actually, you know, I'm glad I'm not the only one, and I know where to go for help. Hopefully, luckily, nutrient neutrality don't have to worry about that one anymore, right? Uh, not so much in the same way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not in the same way. That's the right way to put it. Yeah. Um, that's great. Thank you, Jeremy. It's really good to yeah. chat to you again, and. Uh, Good luck with everything FMB this year, and I'll speak to you soon. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Great to chat. Cheers. Cheers.